Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Congratulations for you folks that's when graduating, either from high school or from college or grad school or law school or medical school. Well, you know what? They'll be looking for a job soon. If they're looking for a job, they got to look the part. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. they got a great, great line of clothing for your younger folks. And not necessarily something tailor-made, but also something custom-made. A wide variety of shirts, blouses, skirts, towels, you name it. Not towels, exactly. But you know what I'm talking about. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, the economy, with all the stuff that's in a lot of folks' minds these days, our credit rating has been downgraded uh, by one financial institution, but the other hand, unemployment is low. So what's going on here? Well, to join us is my good friend and colleague at the University of Indianapolis, both teaching the School of Business, uh, Associate Professor of Finance, our good friend, Dr. Matt Wilson. Matt, thank you for joining us, my friend. Always good to chat with you. Thank you for having me. I'd love to chat with you. Uh, so overall, how would you rate the economy? <laughs> how's that for um, how's I, that for a nice open-ended question well you know professors like to give grades <laughs> so i'll give it a c because uh I, I like to call it a confused economy because there's some things that look good there's some things that look bad so it, it gets a c in my book right now so i was going to say a great s for almost sort of like schizophrenics on the one hand we have low unemployment but on the other hand we have high debt so what the heck is going on here my friend uh, where do you want to start? You want to start with the, the Fitch report that came out? Yeah, we'll start with the Fitch report that came out this week. Yeah, so this is, this is pretty disastrous for the, the country because for the first time in a long time, the federal government debt was downgraded from AAA to AA+. That means that the rating agencies believe the U.S. government has a lower chance of repaying its debt. Now, the reason that's a big, a big disaster is because U.S. federal debt is considered risk-free. Every investor in the world thinks, okay, this is the one place, the safest place on the planet to invest your money because it's guaranteed to be paid back. Well, guess what? Fitch rating says, no, it's not guaranteed to be paid back. There's major dysfunction in Washington, one. And two, they're spending way too much money. And those are the two big things. And the spending too much money that's the real consequence. You've got to look into the details of their report, and uh, they give some disastrous numbers if you want me to go ahead and scare your listeners. Well, it's interesting because uh, a lot of folks have thought that because of the, the debt ceiling fights, that that's the reason for for the downgrade. Like, we had debt ceiling fights before in our past, and we never lost, never lost, our credit rate was never downgraded. So, like, okay, what's different about this time than previous times? Well, because if you read the Fitch report, you have to do, do more than just the headline. If you read the entire report, they complain specifically that the federal deficit this year will go from two or 3.7% of GDP to 6.3. That's not quite double. It's like your income, Abdul, in your household, if you decide, you know, I'm going to live this year, I'm going to spend 3% of everything I spend is going to be on my credit card. Next year, Six percent of everything I spend is going to be on my credit card. And then the next year, the forecast, according to Fitch, it could very well be 10 percent of everything you spend is on your credit card. That is a very precarious situation. And that's the heart of what the problem they see. Now, what does a lower credit rating, lower credit rating mean uh, for the average person? Well, the average person, it means a, a harmful economy. It's going to mean potentially higher taxes. Um, it could be a slowdown in GDP. It could be an increase in unemployment. But l let me start where the big problem is, and that is that a lower credit rating means higher interest rates the government will pay. So the government just got a downgrade, so their debt will cost more. Tony, I can't exaggerate enough 
how bad that is for the economy because the government already spends three or four hundred and seventy six billion dollars on interest last year. Four hundred and seventy six billion just on interest payments. And that's going to go up. And, you know, everybody here listening knows the harm that increasing interest rates have done to the average consumer. Those interest rates are now going to go up even more. And not because the Fed is fighting inflation. It's simply because the federal government got downgraded in their bonds. So, so I guess my question is, uh, is there any way to sort of turn this around? Is it just going to be uh, a bunch of spending cuts or re- reductions in spending? What's going, how is it going to take to sort of get the, the U.S. Uh, credit rating back up to where it used to be? Well, the, 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 according to Fitch, the only way to do it is to reduce spending. Um, and, you know, you saw the, the self-discipline that was asserted by Cyprus and by Greece a number of years ago. They were unable to do it, so they defaulted on their debt. Um, we're not there, but according to Fitch, we're heading in that direction. Um, we have just a, a decade ago, 60% of our uh, our debt, you know, the credit card outstanding balance was 60% of our GDP. It's now 120%. Don't, um, Abdul, I apologize. Abdul, <laughs> that means that we are now going to, we are now have more money on debt, more money outstanding, more of a mortgage on our home than we make and it's growing every day. Now, let me ask you this, Matt. Uh, our good friend, Dr. Matt Will, Associate Professor of Finance at the University of Indianapolis, we teach together uh, in the School of Business as our guest on the program today. Uh, Matt, let me ask you, who is the biggest holder of our debt? Is it us? Is it the Chinese? Is it the British, Europeans? Because that, that's always a big question that always pops up. Is it who's buying our, who's buying our Treasury notes? Who's, who's the biggest holder of our debt? Well, there's a lot of people that hold our debt. I mean, foreign governments hold a large portion of our public debt, a a significant amount. But the U.S. consumer, the U.S. consumer owns a tremendous amount of the U.S. debt. Yes, there's China out there, but I'm not all that concerned about China for, you know, even though politicians like to complain about it, uh, because, you know, where's China going to invest their dollars? Are are they going to, you know, Abdul, are they going to bury it in the, in the, you know, the terracotta warrior pit? No, they're going to send it to the United States. So the, the biggest, you know, uh, owner is is not China, but foreign governments do own a significant chunk of our um, U.S. government debt, about seven trillion of it, and it's a, I guess we're at about thirty three trillion now. So it's a big, big chunk. So what does that mean? So we're basically just borrowing from our. It's like me, my dad, read up a credit card and expected me to pay for it later on, or my gra- or or his grandchildren to pay for it. Oh, your grandchildren. Oh, well, ideally, you you know, you you pay off your own credit card debt. But in this situation, it is not um, you. It's it's. There's no chance that we are going to pay off this credit card debt before we die. Our guest on the program is a good friend, Dr. Matt Will, associate professor, uh, University of Finance. Uh, Matt, uh, so how does the interest rates from a from a credit downgrade differ from the interest rates increase that the Fed's doing to control inflation? Yeah. The the um well. They both do the very same thing, which is they cause all the rates to go up. But the, the, when, the, when the downgrade happens, the base rate that everybody pays, we call it the risk-free rate. So when you go to get a loan, you pay the risk-free rate, that's the federal government you know, rate that they have, plus a risk premium because you're riskier than the federal government. So when the federal government rate goes up, that means everybody else in the economy pays a higher rate because that's the base. That's the bottom. That's the floor of what everyone pays. It's called the risk-free rate. 
Oh, sorry about that. My friend, I lost my train of thought there for just a quick second. Uh, good friend, Dr. Matt Will, with us on the program today. Talk about the U.S. economy. Uh, Matt, so uh, let me ask you this then. Uh, I guess so the question is, uh, with, with long-term interest rates being a pain in the butt, how do you think, uh, what is it going to take for regular people to just understand this, hey, it's debt, but it almost seems sort of like an esoteric threat? Because you, but you, don't, um, necessarily, you don't necessarily see it like right away. You know, you know, we say that, but but that's just not true. I mean, you see it in, you know, we had two quarters of negative GDP last year. Okay, you see it in that while the supply chain is better, you still see shortages on the shelf. You know, last week Tuesday, you know, the Federal Reserve Chairman said that real income, that's adjusted for inflation, declined. So you see it. I mean, you go out to dinner. And, you know, it costs you more to go out to dinner. So there is all these ramifications that actually are tangible and we can see. And and that's where the effect is. It's not like, oh, rates go up. I get a bill in the mail. It's not that direct. Dr. Matt Will with us on the program today. Dr. Matt Will with the University with the University of Indianapolis. We teach together in the School of Business, Associate Professor of Finance. We're sort of talking about uh, the economy, and Matt would great the economy as a C, sort of confused. I would give it an S, sort of schizophrenic. Matt, let's talk about uh, employment. Uh, looks like we still got a worker shortage out there uh, in Indiana. The unemployment rate is like three percent and some change. Uh, good news or bad news? Well. Um there's good and bad. This is the confusing part. We've had low unemployment rate, but if you look at where the employment was before the pandemic and where it should be today, just a very simple draw a straight line, we should be at about 162 million people employed. We're at 156. So we haven't employed all the people that we need to employ. We're about 6 million short. So remember, job creation has come back, but that's because we threw it into the toilet. I mean, we said everybody has to go home and everybody's going to lose their jobs. And we went from, you know, 150-ish million people employed down to 130 overnight. I mean, literally overnight. And so we've been digging ourselves out of that. Well, that's been a, a big dig. It's good. It's been increasing, but it still isn't to where it should be. It should be at 162 million. If you look at a very simple trend line of where we've been going for the last 20 years, um, we're we're still short workers. So, so where did all the? So, here's one question I, I can never quite figure out, and no one can give me sort of a straight answer. Hopefully, my friend, you can. Where did all these workers go, or are or, or are the jobs not there anymore? Because you see, you know, help wanted signs all the time. We hear we hear about you know wage increases because you know employees need to attract good workers. I've got good friends who are small business people; they have trouble finding people. Where did all these mysterious workers disappear to? Did, did they start their own <laughs> businesses, or or where? Or, or the, 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 is, is the Phantom Zone? Is it the Rapture? Where did they go? Oh, I can. T- I don't know why having people haven't given you a straight job it's, uh, answer. It's very simple. Um, I mean, first of all, there's six million unemployed people. There's nine point eight million openings. So there's there's the, the demand is there. The problem is the participation rate. It's that simple. I'm telling you, Abdul, it's that simple. People have dropped out of the workforce. The participation rate went from sixty two points. I'm sorry, from 63.4 pre-pandemic to 62.6 today. That is your 6 million people. It's right there. People just haven't gone back to work. Why haven't they gone back to work? Um, I can tell you a few reasons because I've done a little, you know, informal focus groups. One is people were at home and they found out, you know what? I can live on lower income. 
I want to be, uh, you know, a stay-at-home parent. So if they have two people working, one is staying at home, one's working. So that's part of it. Part of it is the fact that some people can't get daycare. And so the daycare industry has not bounced back the way it did before. And so now there's a little bit of a shortage of daycare for, for moms and dads who want to put their kids in daycare. Another thing is California is a good example. The government in California offers now rent assistance to anybody that and you qualify. You can even make 100000 bucks and qualify. So where the government before, the federal government was saying, look, during the pandemic, you don't have to pay your rent. Well, they finished that program in September two years ago. Now, California stepped in and said, no problem. We'll pay your rent for you. Well, heck, now, Abdul, maybe I'll decide I don't want to go back to work. So there's all these reasons together that have reduced the number of people going back into the workforce. So if you're an employer, what do you do? Just uh, is, it, is it automation? Is it AI is going to be you know, doing the show from here on out, or is it just to try to get by? Well, I think automation and AI. And I'll tell you why I think that, because the, the stock market is going up dramatically. And I, I'm, in, I'm very impressed with that. That's because there's this whole new technology ev- revolution that's occurring. So while the government is doing these things to harm the economy, private industry is so innovative that they're coming up with solutions to this, this labor problem by using AI and using you know, robotic-type things. So I, I think that's going to be the solution. It's got to be automation because the people just aren't there. Which brings up another interesting question for my friend. So when is it uh, – I can see automation for, like, no, the, the manufacturing plant or the auto plant. Uh, so when does AI start teaching school or practicing law? <laughs> Never, never. <laughs> you will never be. You got to have us for that. Come on. <laughs> like I said, I just had to ask my friend. Our good friend, Dr. Madwell, with us for a few more minutes on the program day. Dr. Madwell, Associate Professor of Finance at the University of Indianapolis in the School of Business. We teach together. So we're always happy to have Matt on the program today. Uh, Matt, uh, there's always been this talk about a, a possible recession. Uh, first of all, is there going to be one? If there is, uh, are we going to see this quote unquote soft landing I've been reading about? <laughs> I love this one, and I wish I could get all the politically-minded people to, to be quiet. Um, we had a recession last year. We had two quarters of negative GDP. That's the definition of a recession. It's in every textbook we use. We've had three, four now, eh, quarters of mediocre growth. So, But we've had an expanding economy for four quarters. Now... Ready for the schizophrenic part, as you call it? Of course. Look at the PMI index, the, the, the Purchasing Managers Index. This is a real-time private business look at the economy. It came out this week, ninth month in a row of contracting private industry. Nine months in a row. So the PMI index says the economy is contracting. The GDP says it's growing. Okay, who do we believe? I would say technically both. And then to, to, give, to give you a good lawyer answer, it's, well, it depends. <laughs> now, you know, I, gotta, I have to respect Germany. So Germany, they had this, a second quarter of negative GDP. It came out a few weeks ago. They just announced. They, they had a public announcement. We're in a recession. Have a good day. I mean, they don't, they don't have this political argument. Well, just because the textbook says it's a recession, is it really a recession? Well, they say, look two quarters, we'll do our best to get out of it. Um, this is part of that confused economy. I'm telling you, Abdul, we, this economy doesn't know what it's doing right now. 
And, it, and it's interesting you bring that up because uh, when I have conversations, like I said, with you know folks who aren't necessarily in the in the political bubble, they they say they're doing well themselves, but they feel bad about their neighbors. Yeah, that's probably a very good analogy. Um, because if you look at the details of the GDP, it went up last quarter. Primarily, the biggest reason government spending, because government spending is part of the GDP formula, which I don't like. And I hate the GDP formula. The only problem is I don't have a better one. So we're kind of stuck with this one for now. You know, travel spending was up, private inventories were up, but residential spending was down, domestic profits were down, and global profits were down. So there's things that cause to go up, things that cause to go down. But the biggest driver was government spending last quarter. So, my friend, let me ask you in a couple of minutes we have left here, what is the – I think we've identified the problem pretty well. You know, you give it a C for confused, I give it an S for schizophrenic. How do you resolve this issue, or, or, or do you? Or is, it, or, or is this now the new norm, economically speaking? Well, you want, to, you want, to, you want the truth or pessimistic answer, or do you want me to put a rose-colored glasses on it? How about a, how about a, how about a pessimistic – how about an optimistic pessimist? How about that, old friend? I hope that the government can get out of the way of the of business. I think um, I like to say, you know, not to get political, but I guess I have no choice here. It started with Trump spending so much money. I mean, he while he was deregulatory and he was small, you know, he was pro business. He still spent like crazy. And then Biden came in and spent even more. And so these people in Washington need to get out of the way let business do its job and stop intervening in the economy. Unfortunately, the electorate likes to vote to take other people's money. So the electorate likes to say, you mean I can just vote and I can get more? And so that's what happens. And how do you get elected? You promise people money. And so by promising people money, people get elected and the problem exists. So the problem is us. Just look in the mirror. We are the problem because we vote for this whole situation. So what's the old phrase? We have met the enemy and he is us and darn he's good looking at the same time. Yeah, I like that last part more than the first part. <laughs> uh, well, our guest on the program today has been our good friend, Dr. Matt Will, Associate Professor of Finance at the University of Indianapolis, where we teach together in the School of Business, talk about the economy and sort of why the economy sort of seems schizophrenic these days. So Matt, my friend, always good to chat with you, sir. Thank you very much for being with us. Always good to visit. Nice to be here. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.